another day's journey and I'm glad about it. New Hope, it is so good to be with you this day. The Lord has been gracious to us and brought us down the dangerous highways and byways. And it is just so good to be here this morning with my family. New Hope's my family. And I want you to know that wherever we are, if there's anything I can do for you, just ask. And if I can do it, I will. Amen. 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 And this morning, I also would like to acknowledge, first of all, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There are not enough words that can convey all of what he is to us. But for all he is, we say thank you. And to the angel of this church. My cousin, my sister, in the Lord, amen, Pastor Singleton. It is so good to be here with you, and I also thank you for giving me this opportunity as well. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And also, my family is with me. My wife, Cassandra, has been going up and down these highways. We've been from Kansas City to Tyler, from Tyler to Bossier City, from Bossier City to Minden, and to Cotton Valley, to McGee, Arkansas, and back to Texarkana. We've been all over, and she's been a trooper. She's been riding right along with me. (laughs) The bumps and bruises of them long rides, but she's still right there with me. And my daughter as well this morning, who was our driver today. Amen. Amen. And she did a mighty fine job of getting us here. Amen. (laughs) Olivia, that songstress. Amazing grace. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 28. The book of Acts, chapter 28. Starting at verse one. When you have it, please say amen. 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 Acts chapter 28, starting at verse 1, you will find these words. Right. Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. 
And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went in to him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Right. <clears throat> on today, I would like to lift up to your hearing the theme ministry lessons from the Isle of Malta. Okay. Ministry lessons from the Isle of Malta. The book of Acts written by a Gentile physician by the name of Luke was written to the Gentiles so that they may understand the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because if the book of Acts were to be titled a little differently, we might see it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. In the Godhead, there are three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And here is a biography of the Holy Ghost working through vessels of clay, showing God's power to the people that they may know that there is a reality in serving a true and living God. So in our text, as we begin to unpack it and looking at the ministry lessons from the Isle of Malta, in verses 1 and in verses 2, we find the sweet 
taste of strange. The sweet taste of strange. When we look at these first two verses, we find that now when they had escaped, they, then they found that they were on the island that was called Malta. The natives showed them unusual kindness. Now look at this. Here are some people that the natives had never seen before. They had no report. They had no history. And in the beginning of their relationship, it was sweet. It's the sweetness of strange. In the life of every ministry, when it begins, there is a sweetness because of its strangeness. There is no report. There is no relationship in the beginning. And people come to see what's going on. And so here we find these natives showing unusual kindness for they had kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. They extended that hand of unusual kindness. Here is a lesson for us as well in the ministry that we have to be ready at any point in time, no matter whether or not we know someone or not, to be able to reach out and touch them with that unusual hand of kindness. See, God has given us hands to use and so many times we use them to point a finger and condemn. So many times we use them to punch and to use them as weapons, but these hands that God has given us are also being used as unusual tools of kindness. God sent us into this world so that we could show forth his mercy and his grace. We have to be a people of mercy and grace because we have been shown mercy and grace. The people of God should be the most gentle, the kindest people of all in all of the world because they have been shown unusual kindness. Before the foundations of the world, Jesus Christ was prepared as a lamb to be slain for the foundations of the world. For those who would not even believe on him, that had not believed on him, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, he died. Now, God showing unusual kindness to a people who didn't even want him, he yet died for them. When they were cursing him and beating him all night long, yet he could have stopped it right there. He could have called a legion of angels, but he didn't. It's unusual kindness. And so for us as believers, we have to get ourselves in a mode of ministry day in and day out. Showing unusual kindness that the world may see the reality of a true and living God. We got a world that's hurting in so many ways, in so many conditions, in so many scenarios. And we don't understand it all, but we serve a God who knows everything. And he can be all places at all times. And the good thing about the Lord who knows it all and can be everywhere, he's got all power in his hand. So whatever situation we're in, the Holy Spirit that lies within us will give us the power.
to be able to minister in whatever situation that we're in. Sometimes the situations seem dire. Sometimes it seems like we are dealing with folks that we just can't deal with no more. But I'm letting you know if we just lean and depend on the Lord, if we just let his Holy Spirit empower us, we will see that we are truly overcomers. And as we continue in this text, looking at verses 3 and 4, the agony of adversity, the agony of adversity. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. In the ministry, there are trials and tribulations. There are bumps in the road. There are potholes and there are broken streets. There are broken lights. There are broken down cars. There are situations that will come to give us adversity. It's just a part of being in the fallen world. But just because we go through things does not mean that we don't have a loving God who is very in, importantly and very tied to everything that we're going through. Right. He is concerned about what you're going through. Right, right. But you have to realize that in adversity is when we are made strong. Right. Yeah. It is when we're at our weakest that we are made strong because then we rely more on the Lord and he shows his power through us. But what we do so many times is that we start to believe that the Lord has forsaken us and we start to depend on everything else. We start to pick up the phone and call folks and we start to go and look in books for special formulas and even some of us may not go over there and see one of them psychics. And I know we ain't got no business over there. But in the midst of that, what the Lord is wanting us to do is to go down on our knees and look up to the Lord. He's wanting us to call out on his name so he can show us that he is one that can bring us through. As the song says, have you any mountains that you have not been able to tour through? Our God specializes in things impossible and he can do what no other power can do so once again I'm here to encourage the saints of God to remember to focus on the Lord and see the salvation of the Lord in your life when you're going through adverse situations it's all right to talk to some friends and loved ones it's all right to look at some books and all of that but it all starts with a prayer meeting it all starts when you go down on your knees and you talk to the one who has all power in his hand. And so as we look at this text in verse 4, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, Yet justice does not allow to live. Saints of God ministers into this dark and dismal world. 
I want you to recognize that the world has its own ideas about how justice is carried out. They have their own ideas about what they perceive to be reality, even though perception is not always reality. And so when you're going through your adversity in your life, when you have lost your job, when you have lost your home, and the world is looking at you and even some church folk, they're going to point a finger and say, I knew you were no good. I knew that person, you act like you were so holy, and look at you now. You done lost your job. You done lost your home, and you're about to lose your car. I knew that justice was going to have its way. But that's how folk is. They fickle. And they only can see what they can see with their eyes. See, we are so sensual instead of being spiritual. We are all of what we can see and not what God can let us hear through him. We start to make uh, assumptions, we start to make verdicts without even consulting the Lord. Right, right. And so for the saints of God, mm. I encourage you to slow it down. Mm. When you see another going through adverse situations, don't jump to conclusions, right, right. but pray for them. Right, right. Pray for them and call on the Lord. Right. And you know what? The Lord may touch your heart and let you have comfort in knowing that they're going through a trial just to make them strong. Jesus. But who can be there for our brothers and sisters if we're not? Those of us that have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light, if we condemn our brothers and sisters, they have no hope. The Bible lets me know that judgment starts at the household of faith. But the Bible teaches us to bear one another's burdens. For this is right in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says when one of us falls, ye that are spiritual, Restore one in the spirit of meekness. Why? Lest you also be tempted. Because the reality is every one of us in the household of faith, none of us are perfect. We are on the pathway to being perfect, but yet we are still in this world. We have a spirit that's been made perfect in Christ, but is warring against a flesh. And so the Bible lets us know they war against one another. Paul says in the seventh chapter of Romans that the good that I would do, that's not what I end up doing. But that which I wanted to do, I did something else. In other words, he's saying when this war, sometimes I fail. Sometimes I don't end up doing what I wanted to do. And then when I end up doing what I didn't want to do, I know that I didn't because there is a war going on in me. And so if we know as believers that this war is going on in us, how much more should we give grace and give mercy to our brothers and sisters who are going through the same trials and tribulations, have the same weaknesses that we do? Sometimes we may cuss when we didn't want to. Sometimes we may think bad thoughts about people when we didn't want to. Sometimes we make decisions that are wrong and people get hurt. But inside, we don't really want 
to as believers because the spirit in us wants to obey the law of God. But in the midst of that, Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this body of sin? And he says, but I give thanks to the Lord, for he is the one who will deliver. And we have to remember that the same God that's delivering us will deliver them. If we pray, if we can intercede for them, that their road may be even clearer, be even stronger if we go to the Lord in prayer. See, I know magical things happen when we go to the Lord in prayer. Instead of talking about one another, instead of looking from our eyes, say, if we go into prayer, things happen like it did for Peter when he was locked up in the jail. While his family back at his home were praying. They prayed to the Lord and the angel of the Lord showed up and opened the gates, slapped him and woke him up and told him he could go home. That's what happens when the saints of God come together in prayer, not in condemnation, not in talking about one another, but going to the throne of grace for deliverance from whatever ailment that we have in our life. In verses five and six. The panacea of perception. In verses 5 and 6 it says, But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, They changed their minds and said that he was a God. The panacea of perception. The pendulum has swung. Now they watch with their sensual eyes and they have not seen what they had already condemned him to be. And so after a while, after a long time, nothing happened and then their pendulum swung. He went from being a sinner and one who was a criminal to being a God. But that's what happens when we try to focus using our own eyes and not the spiritual eyes of the Lord. Our pendulum keeps swinging from one extreme to another and never comes into focus into the moderation where it really should be. Instead of him being a God, they should have been able to see that he was a vessel used by God. But the pendulum keeps swinging when you do it with your eyes. But when you do it through the power of the Lord and his word, you can get the reality instead of perception of reality. See, all this was was now a panacea that really wasn't true. It was all hyped up. But really, the reality was is that the Lord was showing grace and mercy on Paul. He was in his body, able to die from the venom of that viper. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit healing him and preventing that venom from killing him, that's what we saw. And so in the life of every believer, there are situations that's going to come. And those situations are going to be some that you think that you cannot make it through. There are going to be situations that are dire. There are going to be times when folk go cold blue. There are going to be times when folks are low sick 
And the doctor has said all that they can do. And they've given you just a few hours, maybe a few days. But as Pastor Singleton just said, but God. For the saints of God, we can't stop there. We must always go back to the throne of grace. Because is there anything too hard for God? Can he raise out of cold blue? Can he bring back from low sick? Our Bible lets us know that after three days he rose Lazarus from the grave. After he had gone through rigor mortis and sure enough was stinking, he still said, Lazarus, come forth. So if he can do that, surely whatever situation we go through, when it seems like we need to throw in the towel, that we need to wave the white flag, it's not over till God says it's over. And I'm just crazy enough to believe right here today that if we go into prayer, the words of James will come true. That the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous does what? Availeth much. You can't forget this word. It's this word is by which we stand. Without the word of God, we are hopeless. We are, we are rudders. We are sails that are cast in the wind. For the east is from the west. But in this word, we find direction. And the word allows us to see that the, the game is not up until the buzzer really rings. That it's not over till it's over. And so we keep believing and trusting in a big God that can do big things. Amen. It's not about how bad our situation is, but how good our God is. Right. And God is just willing and able to show his power through his people if we will just believe. Amen. Amen. I know it sounds like a simple word when we say believe, but believing causes us to put down some things and to pick up something else. All the years of our lives, we learned so many things. We learned so many ways things are supposed to happen and things we've learned in our experience. But experience is not always the one who gives you truth. The only way to get true is through the word of God because your experience is not enough. There are some things that you've gone through in the past that may not go through your future. You know, like we see on these advertisements about the uh, investment cycles. He says that the history is not indicative of the future results. Well, with the Lord, that is the same way. Just because you've gone through this at this point and this happened does not mean that's going to happen tomorrow. Every time in every situation, you got to go back to where you started from. You got to go back to the throne of grace. You got to go back to where you prayed. You got to go back and see the Lord work. When you were down and out, when you were doing everything you thought you could do and you ran out, you had to go back. You had to go back and call on the name of the Lord and he saved your soul. You wanted to go left, but he made you go right. And so in every situation, go back. Go back and go back to the Lord and start to pray. Don't let it just be what you think and what others think, but let the Lord make the final call. Let the Lord make the final judgment. Let him work because he wants to work miraculous things through you. Looking at this text, our final few verses of this pericope of scripture, 
found in verses 7 through 10. The actions that attract. The actions that attract. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us and courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a century. Paul went into him and prayed. And he laid his hands on him and healed him. Church of God, that's something big time in verse 7. And that is, in the midst of Paul and the other people who are members of the ships, in that catastrophe, their ship has been broken, has been torn apart, they're on an aisle that they've never been before, and it should be a time to just Focus on woe is me. That is not what's happening with the Apostle Paul. He heard that there was a need. He heard that the magistrate, the king, if you will, of the isle, his father was sick. In the midst of all of his own anguish, of his own troubles, I mean, his cars broke down. He don't know how he's going to get home. And in the midst of all of that, he's got all these other men who he's told that everything's going to be all right. Surely they weren't, and they're wondering about their families back home. But in the midst of that, he turned to where the need was. Even though they had their own internal need, he looked out to those outside and met their need. Now, every believer in this house, surely there's something going on in each one of our lives. Every day brings a new trial. Every day brings a new tribulation. If we are, have not just started, we're in it, or we're coming out of one, getting ready to go in another. That's just how it is. That's the way it's supposed to be. But we can't get inwardly focused on our troubles alone because then we cannot do the work of the ministry. The ministry is not about ourselves, but about those who are outside. In Hebrews chapter 13, we find out that Jesus Christ the Bible says, let us go outside, outside of Jerusalem to the hill where he was slain. He said, and don't just let him be out there by himself. We are to go outside with him. Outside of Jerusalem walls at a place called Golgotha Hill, he died. He didn't die inside the walls. He died outside. Outside, he went outside of Jerusalem council, the Sanhedrin, Annas, and Caiaphas, and Herod, and Pilate. He got away from all them on the outside. See, all of their councils were on the inside where the other church folks were. 
But on the outside, there's pain. On the outside, there's suffering. But on the outside, there's need. On the outside, when Jesus Christ died, he died for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. On the outside. The greatest work of all was that the sins of the world be sacrificed for outside. And so for us, the work is outside. So even though we're going through our trials and tribulations, even though we're going through the things that we are, we got to see the need outside. Because God has sent us as ambassadors of Christ. And ambassadors have to speak to the people who are not citizens of that land. So if all we're doing is conversing with one another, we're not carrying out the mandate. We're not carrying out the commission that God has given us, nor is there going to be healing in the land. But outside we find in verse 7 that Paul healed Publius' father. And if you don't know now, you will know that in every believer there are gifts. Some have gifts of prophecy. Some have gifts of teaching. Some have gifts of pastoring. Some have gifts of, of healing. Some have gifts of tongue. There are many gifts, administration and helps. But every one of those gifts are to edify the body and also to be used outside. Outside is where the people are hurting and they got needs that need to be met. But what we fail to realize about ourselves is that we go through what's called an identity crisis. We forget who we are. We are God's troubleshooters in this world. We are God's problem solvers who are to go out into this world and to help solve the problem that this world has. The world's problem is rejection of God and sin and that we are the ones who have the message and the keys to the kingdom and we got to go outside. Now outside, when he healed Publius' father, he recognized the need. Believers, when we go outside, we got to be alert eyes wide open spiritually to see the need in the world. Because the world needs some healing. There are some families that are broken down. There are some hearts that need to be mended. There are some folks that need to be remembered to be put back together again. The world has tossed them to and fro like the tumultuous tempest that has been on this ship that has torn up Paul's ship. And that's how a lot of people are outside. But we got the answers because we got Jesus. And because we have him and his word, we have the answers for a whole world of destruction. But when we go outside, we got to keep our eyes open. And we got to see the need. We can't just leave here and go home and rest looking forward to Wednesday night, Bible study, or back to Sunday morning. We got to go to work outside. We got to keep our eyes open. We got to keep our ears peeled and we got to be ready to take care of the need. Because one Thursday evening, after I had run out, there was a believer in Sam's club who I was at the uh, cardboard baler, and he saw my need. He was ready when I came to him and said, 
Tell me more about this Jesus Amen. that you serve. Okay. Now, my salvation experience came at work. Somebody else's salvation experience is going to come at your job. A store you may be in, on the street. Everybody's not coming to the church. The church has got to go to them. And so in the midst of this, well, we know that when we are there, healing comes. I was going left that Thursday night, but later on, that Friday morning, I was going right. It didn't feel like nothing happened when I prayed the prayer. But when I woke up Friday morning, I knew something in me had changed. And if it hadn't have been for that vessel of the Lord being used, I may not be saved today. And so for each one of you, I put the mandate on you and the responsibility according to this word that we have to do the same. Keep your eyes open because the work is outside. And there's some healing that we need to be able to do by using God's word. Verse 8 says, And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever in the century. Paul went up to him and prayed. Y'all don't forget prayer. Amen. Don't Amen. forget prayer. It is the key. It changes things. But I'm so disturbed today in the modern church well, we are not interested in prayer. When we have prayer meeting and Bible study, we don't want to pray. Nobody wants to pray. Everybody wants to come up with some solution out of the courtroom or something they heard on, on a, um, Dr. Phil or, or Dr. Oz or somewhere, but where is prayer? Prayer is the first thing. It is the primary thing. Without prayer, we can do nothing. We have to be able to talk to the one who gives us our power. It is our connector. It is our conduit to his power. We got to get back to prayer. And then it said he laid his hands on him. Once again, going back to these hands. These hands not to point to condemn. These hands not to punch and to use as weapons of destruction. But these hands he laid on him to heal him. Okay. A gentle touch from one of us on somebody in need. These hands. With some prayer in these hands that the Lord has given us to be used as vessels of righteousness. These hands. You got to use them for unusual kindness. Romans chapter 12 says, let our lives be a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. It's only reasonable that we do this. And that word is translated spiritual. It's our spiritual service. And that is who we are. It's not who we see on the outside, but it's who we have been changed on the inside. Okay. Because one of these old days, and it won't be very long, that we're going to be changed. Yep. It's going to be in a twinkling of an eye. Okay. Some of us may die in this world, but there's one of the days that's coming when the trumpet will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
and be caught up in the air. And they that remain will be caught up with them and will be changed at that great coronation. So we have to be spiritual in our well-doing because that's who we really are. We're caught up in this bondage or body of sin, but inside of us there's a spirit that cries to be free. So in our text, it says that so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. When we start to use these hands to do the work of ministry, unusual kindness, reaching out and finding the need by being alert and healing, the word is going to spread. And they're going to be looking for you because they're going through several different types of diseases. There's all kinds of things going on out there that folk need a healing from. There are folk who caught up on drugs. There's folks who caught up on alcohol. There's folks who caught up on all manners of evil. They're in prostitution rings. There are folks sick in their bodies from one disease or another, and they need to be free. Amen. But you know where they're healing at? It's at the house of the Lord. If it was not, then God could have caught us all up when we were saved and took us to glory. But he left us here to be those change agents in this world. And it's outside. But when they hear that there's healing and new hope, when they hear that healing is going on, there are going to be people that you've never seen before coming from east, west, north, and south coming to the place because they found out that there's a place where healing is. Yes, Lord. When they feel, find out that these hands are being used for unusual kindness, they're going to come running because they got a need that needs to be met. Yes. That's where we as the church have got to become radical. We've got to become radical in our work because this world is radical against us. There are diseases that are radical against the world. We've got to go in there and put up the good fight. We've got to stay the course. But it's only by the power and might of the Holy Ghost through us that this will be done. But we first got to go outside. Now after that, the last verse says, they also honored us in many ways. And we departed. They provided such things as were necessary. There is a natural law in the world called the law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity says when one thing is done to one, the one feels compelled to do for another. That law is not just for one person. It's not just for the believers, but also the unbelievers. Now, there will be some believers who are selfish and unbelievers who are selfish and may not do reciprocal for what you do for them. But there are enough that God will provide whatever you need when you do the ministry for him. The reason why I bring this up is because so easily in an economy like we are in today, we can feel like we don't have enough. 
I can't go way over yonder because I don't have gas money. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't feed them folks over there because I just got enough to feed myself. We as believers have to be careful because when we begin to talk like that, we begin to blaspheme our God. Our God said to us, seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness. Didn't he? Didn't he say his kingdom and of righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And if you look at that, he didn't say you're going to have to add them. By inference, he's going to add them. So the minute we start saying we don't have enough to minister, we calling God a lie. So we got to be careful here because God is going to supply our every need. And so when we go out and do, God will take care of us. He will use them that are out there to give us our needs. And if he has to, he can do a miracle. Amen. He can show up where we never thought it could be. So many times that I've tried to do the math on my bank account and it just didn't add up. I should have had X, but I had X plus 100. Or I had X plus 150. But that's all about the Lord. The Lord said, bring ye tithes into the storehouse, that there be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, said the Lord, if I not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there might not be room enough to receive it. Principle, Malachi chapter 3. But then we also see in the book of Luke that other principle that says, give, and it shall be given. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Shall what? Men give to ye. Now watch that. The first principle is about us bringing our tithes to the storehouse. God says he will open the windows of heaven. Not that there will be just enough, but that you will have so much that there's not room enough to receive it. But then you can go from there. God also gave us the principle of giving. That he will give back to us and men will too. Give and it shall be given. If you need some encouragement, give some encouragement. Amen. If you need finances, give finances. Amen. If you need support, give support. Jesus. If you need to be a one who needs speaking power, encourage somebody who's speaking. Amen. And God will give it to you. God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. So whatever he says, he will do. So when you go outside, don't go out with worry. Don't go out with doubt. Don't go out thinking you can't do it. If the Lord says go to, um, if he says go to Marietta and minister to somebody, go minister. If he says Texarkana, go minister. If he says Nacogdoches, go minister. If he says Naples, go minister. Wherever he says go, go. If he says New Boston, if he says Queen City, if he says Greenville, go. Because he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Hallelujah. Am I right about it? And so as I come to a close, this Jesus that we have been talking about, the one who went outside, outside 
the walls of Jerusalem to that place called Golgotha's Hill. Do you know it wasn't called Calvary until after Jesus died one Friday evening. On the outside of Jerusalem, on Golgotha's Hill, my Savior and your Savior, he died for the sins of the world. The lamb that was slain for the foundations of the world, he was on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. The Bible lets us know that he was on that cross from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But what happened was so significant at the sixth hour. At 12 noon, the Bible says... He died. Darkness came all over the land. It was dark because the sins of the world was on his shoulders. My sins, your sins, our ancestors' sins, our children's 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 sins. All the sins of the world, past, present, and future, was on his shoulders. But Jesus loved us so much that he demonstrated that love that he died for you and for me but that's not the end of the story he stayed on that cross from the sixth to the ninth hour he died and gave up the ghost they took him down from that cross and put him in joseph's new tomb he was in that grave all night friday he was in that grave all day saturday he was in that grave all night saturday night but early, early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. All power to raise out and touch the sick and to raise the dead. The same works he had before he died were amplified when he was raised from the grave. But no, not just that, that he's given the same powers to us. That he says, as I was sent. So I send you. Don't forget who you are in Jesus Christ. Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. But after that, he had a 40-day layover. He showed himself to over 500 disciples, letting him know that he had risen and risen indeed. And then on that 40th day, he stepped down on the cloud and went back to glory. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. But that's not the end of the story, because one of these old days, and it won't be very long, he's coming coming back for you and for me. Will you be ready? Will he find you working on the outside? Will he find you faithful in his work? That is my encouragement word today. That is my wish. That is my hope for all of the believers of God that he finds us faithful. Just a few ministry lessons from the Isle of Malta. God bless you.